the Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. Player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Aren't you lucky? Back to back weeks, here we are. My name is Jeff Teolis. Uh, my name is Martin Roberts. What do you mean back to back weeks? Oh, this schedule is all out of here. Yeah. Who yeah, cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. We're at episode 55. My name is Martin Roberts. This is the final round pinball podcast. You're welcome. See, I make it sound like it's a real positive thing when we're actually late with an episode and you're like, oh, it took you three weeks to get the last note. And then you come out early with this one. You're like, wow, that's awesome. I say this every week. You're lucky to get any show from us. And especially <laughs> on Easter weekend, I can't believe, Marty, you have uh, you foregone church and all the Easter festivities. It's a, it's a big commitment to do this show. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's all right. I mean, there is an Easter egg hunt happening right now. And I've said, look, sorry, guys, I've got a podcast to do. I can't wander around the neighborhood looking for eggs that are probably full of poison. Wow. So The kids started crying. You showed pictures of dead bunnies. I like your style. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is actually Easter Sunday in Australia and it's a beautiful day and I am very happy to be doing this podcast particularly because we've got somebody special on this week. Yeah we do. Last week we had Ryan C on and um, yeah let's do the opposite. We shouldn't really give out our email after Ryan's on because we have to field a lot of complaints you know all Mm -hmm. those funny accents oh you know you're an Australian you're a Canadian you bring on another Australian can't you mix it up a lot of your audience is in the states so this week what do we do? We don't have another Australian, but we brought another Canuck on, and not just any Canadian. He is the one, the only, from your fifth favorite pinball podcast, Pinball Nerds, Orby himself, Albert Agar, joins us. Albert, how are you, buddy? Oh, my God. After an entrance like that, I'm doing even better. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, I was, like I mentioned, so shocked that you guys are going to have me here on the show, and just... uh, Really, really excited to be here. It doesn't matter. I know Martin's really, it sounds like he's really upset he's missing out on that Easter egg hunt. So, you know, if, <laughs> if you just, if you have to go, Marty, you know, it's okay. Even though I really want to chat with you, but it sounds like you're really messing out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough decision, but um, I think I've chosen right. We'll see. So, Orby, you were gone for a year. Where the hell did you go? And thank God you're back. What's going on? Long story short, I, you know, I found that the last probably three or four months that I was podcasting last year, I was kind of getting more negative. The show wasn't as fun and it was supposed to be light. Of course, you already said it in the intro, your fifth favorite pinball podcast. I kind of started this as a joke. You know, after I broke my arm, I didn't have another creative outlet because I couldn't skateboard anymore. And I basically got to the point where, hey, I hadn't even played Stranger Things and I still haven't got to play it yet. What the heck am I even talking about pinball for? The main thing I like to talk about other than playing new pinball machines is tournaments, and I hadn't played in a tournament in two years, so what the heck, you know, I didn't have that much to talk about, and just mentally I wasn't in a great place, and I thought, well, I also was feeling a little bit underappreciated at the the time because I was, you know, disputing with some people that I considered good friends of mine in the pinball industry, and I thought, if I can't be a positive force on pinball and I can't use my, you know, pinball blog, as as I call it, 
as a positive outlet, if it becomes more of a chore or a job, then I'm not going to waste my time doing it anymore. And that's exactly what I did. I, I took some time off. I waited to the, I got hungry like the wolf to podcast again. And once the hunger came back, I was ready to get out there and get on the mic. And we're glad you did. And I guess the difference as well compared to a lot of other podcasters is that your frequency of releasing podcasts is a lot more than most people. That probably would have been a factor in it as well. Oh, for sure. And I think the other thing is too, like what I I learned with uh, Marty, with you and Ryan C. And then of course now with you and Jeff on the final round, if you have a partner to kind of spar with there, it, it makes it a little more enjoyable, a little more fun. And like happens quite often on the final round, you two kind of keep each other in line. If one of the two of you is kind of, you know, going off tilt a little bit too much or going off topic, the other one of you kind of reels the guy in, right? Or from time to time you try to. I have no one to reel me in, and I really need someone to reel me in sometimes. Well, I mean, have you – I mean, obviously you're back and you're still solo. Had you thought about maybe teaming up with somebody? I, I did reach out to Crystal, and I had mentioned this on the show, Crystal Gemnick, of course. Um she has a show here. We haven't heard from her in a while on TPN, of course, but I reached out to her at the very, very start of TPN and said, I think it'd be really cool if we tried to do like a kind of a funny, like topical, you know, mooring show type thing with banter. And I know at the time she kind of wanted to go a different direction. Of course, I got to hear, hear her interview, uh, you, Marty, on there, uh, on The Plunge. What, what is it? On The Plum. How can I forget that? What the hell kind of pinball nerd am I? Anyways, I absolutely think that she was going the right direction with that one. And I know that with two people, it's hard to team up. I, you know, I kind of reached out a little bit to Drew from Poor Men's Pinball Podcast after Ian was there. And I said, you know, if you ever want to have me on a show with you, let me know. Because I feel like I have some pretty good chemistry with Drew. And, uh, you know, if I ever get called up to the big leagues, I'll, I'll probably do it. Part of it is that I just like the freedom of, honestly, 90% of those podcasts came out when my children were at school. My wife was at work and, you know, the goats had been fed, the bees had been taken care of, you know, the, the maple trees had been milked, you know, everything had been done and I was just bored and I'm sitting around and, of course, after I moved out here to Nova Scotia, I instead of going to pinball three times a week, I was going to pinball maybe one time a month because there's less tournaments out here and I have to travel further and that sort of thing. And honestly, it was my way of, after I moved out here, the last, I don't know, 200 podcasts or so was my way of kind of almost chatting with everyone I used to talk to at my other leagues and, you know, Monday Night Pinball, London Ontario Pinball League, uh, shout-outs all around, you know, to, 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 you know, topple all the different places I used to go play all the time. And it was kind of my way of connecting with pinball, but I was losing touch with, like, the pinball people because I didn't ever get to actually talk to anyone playing pinball or go to pinball tournaments anymore because of COVID. And, you know, even if I lived in a big city and I had a lot of friends with large collections and I could still go play new pins when they came out, maybe I would have something to talk about, but I just ended up just doing like impressions of an impression of an, it's like, you know, it was kind of pointless. And maybe a big part of it for me was that everybody else during the pandemic hasn't seen their friends for, you know, they went, what, six months, nine months, a year. When I moved out here, we weren't allowed to leave the Nova Scotia bubble, of course. So now that being said, in the last six or seven months, I probably should have came back there. I was a little bit, you know, a little bit of fear that I know I don't want to upset Ian, so I'll call it the fungus 19, if you don't mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I just I'm ready to travel soon. I've already I've already had it and I'm I'm probably going to wait another two months to get my next booster and then wait till that kicks in maybe a month later, just because I don't think it's a good idea that I do tons of traveling and, you know, on airplanes and large pinball tournaments yet, but I'm going to Yagpin, so I better get ready. I better better take the mask and just throw it in the air and get ready to just get crazy because uh, you got at some point you got to move on with life, right? 
Yagpin is going to be a lot of fun. That's coming up in July, end of July in Edmonton, Alberta. And I know a lot of players from not just Canada, from all over going to that big event. It's kind of a, a mini Pinburg. Certainly it's not the thousand people that we're used to, but it is that match play format. And there are other tournaments too. There are classics. There are women's. There's the high stakes. Uh, there's a knockout tournament. So a lot of activity in Edmonton, July 21st to 24th. So I'm glad you're going to be going out there. Now, out in Nova Scotia, I mean, this is how desperate Pinball is out in Nova Scotia, and I've got friends out there. Doug Parsons, a big shout out to him, a, a big person in the pinball community, somebody I first met at the Canadian Pinball Championships back in 2015, my first ever real tournament. So Doug was there. But you're stuck playing with guys like David Dennis. Oh my. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, you know what? David Dennis beat me in the last tournament, so I'm not okay. Because that's the first time he beat me, and I was a little bit sour about it because, in my mind, you know, he, he's been playing out here, so he's played in many of the Funny Flipper tournaments. He's maybe played, I don't know, a dozen or so tournaments, maybe a little more, a little less. Did, sorry, did you say Funny turn, funny Flipper or Funny Looking? No, no. Fundy. Like the Bay of Fundy. Oh, I thought you said Funny Looking. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> that works. Well, David Dennis does sort of look like the, the guy from the debaters, but that's a Canadian CBC joke, so it's probably not going to be you know gotten by all the listeners. But, Hold on a second. Uh, Hold on a second. Steve Patterson? Yes. Okay, this goes back to last episode, and a big fuck you to Marty. Steve <laughs> Patterson, the host of the debaters, a Canadian show, and he's done very well. Steve and I started doing stand-up at the same time, so I know Steve very well. So again, fuck you, what? Ryan. Fuck you, Marty. <laughs> did he get a good career out of it? Uh, he did. The, he, he he made a career out of it. He got a good job with the uh, CDC. Yeah, that, that was my point. Yeah, I already had a good career, so go fuck off. Mm, I, I don't understand how that's a fuck you to me. It's just oh. backing up what I said last episode. You obviously weren't good enough. Orby. No, it's, I chose the path I wanted, which was radio, you meathead. Did you though? <laughs> yeah, so every day I punch a clock and I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this job. It's the greatest job ever. What are you talking about? I go to pinball tournaments all the time. It's awesome. Sorry, Orby. It's your show. Go ahead. No, man. Hey, I, I'm very, very, very envious of both of you. One of you work at a pinball company and the other one works in radio. And it's like, here I am milking goats all day, you know? Oh, don't worry. I'd like to milk a goat once in a while. That'd be it. That's a skill. That's a life skill. <laughs> Bet you do it a lot. Wait, Jeff, until you've milked Leia, you'll, you'll, you, if you would milk her, you would never, ever again say that you want to milk a goat because this girl jumps more often than popcorn in a popcorn maker. I don't know, but she, it's very hard to milk her. It's very hard. If you're lucky enough to get enough cheese to make one cheese slice, you're happy. See, I'm glad Ryan's not on this week because he would have said, oh, I've milked two Leia. Now that's a totally different thing and not <laughs> yeah. appropriate at all. Throw that out. We're not even going to play that. <laughs> I'll, for, I'll forget to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Nova Scotia on the map. Right, so this is from the perspective of somebody that really doesn't know North America that well. Right, you could almost say it's it's kind of it's well, it's not an island, but it's it's pretty self-contained. It's like a skin tag. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! 
my neighbors here in the Scotch do not take uh, kindly to people from Ontario saying stuff like that. Let but, me okay, tell no, you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My in-laws are from Nova Scotia. I love my sister lived there for years. I love, love, love Nova Scotia. I was just referring to the shape. That's all. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, and, and, and okay, I'll just to throw this out there. You know, when people say, I'm coming to Canada, I'm like, where are you going? And they're like, I'm coming to Toronto. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And that's what Marty did. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's not Canada's best part. Hit the West Coast. Hit the Maritimes. You want to talk about great canadian scenery and uh, cuisine and all that kind of fun stuff and and the thing that the maritimes has better than any place i've ever been in the world the nicest people whatever it is these people would give the shirts off their back they're just wonderful Uh, that's the maritime life i love it out there jeff i'm not going to lie to you part of the reason why we fell in love with these coasts is uh my wonderful wife and i uh drop target danielle came out here on our honeymoon and when you're walking down the street, people literally, if they think you're about to cross the road, they'll slam on the brakes and not only, like, wave you on to walk across the street, they'll say, oh, how's your day going today? That's nice. And then the car behind them will stop, and I'm waiting for the car behind them to start honking and giving them F-bombs and flipping them the bird. And then the car behind them goes, oh, how you doing? Nice to see you. I haven't seen you for a while. Where And they start chatting, and I'm like, oh, my, like, it's just like, no one's in a hurry here. The one time I got tailgated in the last three years on the highway, it ended up being a vehicle from Quebec. <laughs> but to answer Marty's question, we are a landlocked island. So if it weren't for all the dikes that were built by the Dutch, we essentially, during high flood season or high tide, if you call it that, on the other side, on the Bay of Fundy, we would basically you know, be an island. Uh, it's very marshy here. That's why you hear me talking about the mosquitoes and the bugs so often. Um, you know, where I'm at that, I'm in like the two week time period where you could actually run outside and sunbathe for about 30 seconds before it gets too rainy or too cold or too foggy or starts snowing or before the bugs come. So that is the one thing I am missing from Ontario all the time. I used to love to just, you know, cut the lawn and have a beer with my shirt off. You can't do that here. This is like, I've got to have a straw that goes through the fish netting that I have over my head while I'm wearing a long sleeve. And it's like, even the noceums can get through the little holes in there anyways, and they're biting you and it's. It's a whole thing when you have seven acres of lawn to cut. Wow. I think of the postage stamp I have out front and I bitch and complain like, ah, I got to go do it. It takes 10 minutes. How long does it take you to cut the lawn? Well, probably about three and a half hours. Now, luckily I have like, it's not a John Deere tractor, but it's a John Deere. They call it a lawn tractor. It's basically a, a, the lowest end commercial size thing you'd see at like not even a golf course level, but like, you know, a fairly high end landscape company or something might have one. So thank God she goes fast. And honestly, I can steer with one hand and I got one hand for the beer and I do not cut the lawn without a pinball podcast. So I want to thank you for every podcast you ever did on pinball profile. Cause I've gone back through pinball profile and re-listened to them again. And then I started listening to head to head, uh, maybe about a year and a half, two years after it started. Now I've got to go back and listen to every one of those episodes. So to everyone here listening, if you ever have to cut seven acres of grass or maybe you drive long, go out there and listen to some pinball profile and head to head because all those podcasts still exist. Yeah, that is true. So sorry about that. Number one with landscapers. Uh, that's a badge we wear. <laughs> hey, we suck at the twippies, but fucking when it comes to cutting lawns, man, look out. All right. Hey, heads up. Holla. So here's my last comment about Nova Scotia because I've just now been looking at some photos of it. When I was looking at the map, I was thinking, oh, it's probably the, the Tasmania of Canada. Then when I was looking at photos, it is the Tasmania. Like, I think, what is it, Halifax or something? It's like um, it's like Hobart. It, it is a beautiful seaside town, 
with, I don't know, architecture and scenery just like Tasmania. So I know Tasmania quite well. So for those Australians listening, this looks like a beautiful place to be. You know what? It is absolutely gorgeous. Halifax is just beautiful. I I mean, I'm not going to say it's nicer than Vancouver, but it's certainly smaller and slower. And if you only had three days to travel and visit a city, you could do everything you probably wanted to do in Halifax in three days. And there is a couple great arcades there, including my favorite, Propeller Arcade, which is in the basement of Propeller Brewing, which is one of the oldest craft breweries in Halifax. But the number one reason why I've been challenged here isn't the bugs, it isn't the goats, it, it isn't the long cutting, it's because there's not a lot of pinball machines in the wild. So during the Fungus 19 shutdowns, what they ended up doing was saying that I wasn't allowed to go up to New Brunswick, the province beside me, which only 45 minutes away from me has like uh, Spin It Records, which has like 15 pins in it. And there's there's Zeros, another pinball bar that just opened there that has lots of pinball machines in it. And there's quite a few places, bowling alleys and such, that have pins in the wild. But for me to play any pinball machines uh, in Halifax, it's about a seven-hour round trip because I live right at the border of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Long story short, the only pinball machine I could play during the entire pandemic was Ghostbusters in oh. a little town called Turo, an hour and a half mm. from me. And Jeff, I know you're the same Fuck. for Ghostbusters is real, but I think if you were put in my position, where the only way you could play a modern Stern, because I had no modern Sterns left in Orbeez Arcade, okay, if, if the only modern Stern you could possibly play in the entire world during like a six or nine month period was Ghostbusters, you would learn to love it like I learned to love it. Pick up a new hobby. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> oh, probably. I would find a new hobby. I would uh, not be hitting that. I'm sorry. I, I, in fact, I've got some tournaments coming up. Oh, little sneak peek. And uh, I've told all the arcades. Yeah, if you've got Ghostbusters, it's not being used that night. It's not happening. It's just, I'm not traveling to A, B, C, and D to play freaking Ghostbusters. Mm. For me, Ghostbusters is one of these interesting things. Where I, I hated it at first, particularly in tournaments, because of how unfair it is with the flipper cap and it hopping over the rails. But over time, I really grew to like Ghostbusters in tournaments because ugh, this is the whole thing. And, you know, talking about Ryan C, when Ryan C does his tournaments, he sets up his machines brutal, brutal, where it just absolutely saps all the fun out of it. They seemed easy for me. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but then then you, you just got to realise, well, everybody else is in the same situation. So it's like with Ghostbusters. Yes, it's painful and yes, it's unfair, but it's unfair for everybody. But there's just something about it that I really I really like now. And even though pinball prices are still ridiculous, Jeff, just calling it out, no bubble has been burst yet, Ghostbusters goes for extraordinary money at the moment. That doesn't. Uh, I didn't say the bubble has burst. It will. But right now, that's an example of how that stupid was six people months are. Ago. Listen, I, I'm getting two games next week. They were ordered months and months ago. One, nine months ago. So that's just the way things are. So people yeah. need something now. Trust me. Anyway, Halifax, Nova Scotia, spectacular, gorgeous. In fact, you know, we're talking a lot about Tasmania, Nova Scotia, Canada, Australia. For our American friends, especially in the Pittsburgh area. Your Sidney Crosby is from Halifax, Nova Scotia. And the reason I bring up Pittsburgh is because, Orby, uh, you were at Pinburg. I think you were probably at the one that Marty was at, too. And there's a Pittsburgh native there. 
And he once asked me to do a pinball profile. And it's funny that this episode is airing on 420 on April 20th. And just a coincidence <laughs> that you're on the show, Arby. I'm just saying. What are you talking about? Yeah. I do not have a vaporizer in my hand right now. I have no idea mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But the I had somebody ask me to do a show with him about the benefits of smoking pot and playing pinball. And that's something I have never done. And I said, I I don't know if I'm the right person for it. But sure enough, on Pinball Nerds, there you were with Peace Man Nick. Yeah, he, I I mean, I I didn't even know that this, uh, I didn't even know that he listened to my show. I kind of said on the show, you know, I'm a little bit hard up for cash. I just moved across the country. I'm also, guys, I'm half Dutch. I'm pretty cheap. I I prefer the term thrifty, okay? Um, I'm so cheap today. uh, Even though it was plus 20 degrees in Truro when I was doing DoorDash, I turned off the AC on my wonderful wife, and she was like, okay, I'll put down the window and wreck my hair. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Peace is awesome, and he said to me, dude, if you need a place to stay, I've been in your position. He had to travel to Pemberg before and basically, like, couch surf and just maybe even sleep outside for the night. I don't know. Like, he had to do whatever he did. And he said, I don't want you to do that. So come stay at my house. Um, He let me try about 15 different types of cereal. He's a cereal connoisseur the way I'm kind of a craft beer connoisseur. And uh, of course in the States there, they get all these different cereals, but no, that was great. And the craziest part for me, I, I, the one part I do remember, I, I do remember some things, Jeff on the final day you ran into me and you're like, so you qualified for a, and I was like, yeah. And you're like, flew a little bit too close to the sun, huh? And I was like, yeah. Because I got destroyed, like, on, on the second day in A, like, my first full day being in A division, oh, my God, I just got absolutely destroyed, and I think I finished third last in A, and honestly, I probably should have gone to B, but what I didn't want to do was, you know, what am I going to do, like, I wasn't going to sandbag my first Pinberg for God's sake, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to A finals, but also I knew if I got to B finals, and I ran into Marty Robbins, I wasn't going to do very well either, right, so. Uh, I think you would have been safe against me. I don't know. I don't know. I saw you play against uh, Joe Stanzik, one of the best players from uh, our London League, and uh, I'm pretty sure you beat him if I remember correctly. I guess that's probably true. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't remember. But Pimberg was the time of my life, and I really miss it. And it's, it's strange because I bought this very special pair of shoes, and I said, I will not wear these shoes. They're, you know, I'm more of a minimalistic guy than like a shopping guy, but I had these really cool Canadian limited edition. A lot of people call them the old man shoes. They're new balance, but I had these special shoes and I said, I will not, I told my wife, I will not wear these until Pemberg. And they stayed for two years in a box. And finally I got to do my very first uh, pinball tournament last fall. And I said, F it. You don't know how long you're going to be around. First of all, there's not going to be, you know, probably not going to be Pemberg the way we knew it ever again. And at some point you just got to move on and, uh, but what I was getting at is that, that Pimberg was so special to me that I absolutely wanted to save these shoes until the next time I got to play there until, of course, it, it got canceled. But I would say other than, like, my wedding day, qualifying for A Division at Pimberg was, like, the most surreal. Like, I almost couldn't go to bed. I think I fell asleep at, like, 5 a.m., even though I was at, like, the dead flip after party and, like, went, went out to all these, you know, I'd had beers and, and, and 420s and so on and such forth, and, and I still couldn't sleep because I was like, how did you just – I honestly, uh, on my show, if you listen to the Pimble Nerds podcast right before I went to Pimberg, I thought I would go to maybe, maybe, maybe the bottom end of B, but I thought, no, you're a C guy all day, but if you go to D, it's all good. In the last Pimble tournament I just played, David Dennis beat me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got 16th of 23 players, including, like, five players who never played before. 
I had only won twice in like 150 tournaments. Like I didn't expect, you know, that I would get to go to A division, but just getting to be there and getting to see everybody was surreal. I mean, I was meeting all these pinball legends at once between someone, and I feel bad. I should have gone over and said hi to Lyman Sheets. Someone pointed him out, but I was too nervous to go over and say hi. So I'll tell you right now, if you're ever at a pinball expo or somewhere and you see someone who thinks they're one of your pinball heroes, you go over and say hi. And they'll probably just be really nice to you. Most likely. I mean, maybe not if they're in the middle of, like, you know, winning a game on, on you know, on stage or something. But um, that was probably one of my biggest pinball regrets. I didn't go say hi to him. But, you know, I got to meet tons of different people, and I got to interview. I think I did 67 interviews at Pemberg, which was great. They're all just little two-minute ones. But uh, I got to interview people that went on to be designers and then, you know, another uh, gentleman that, you know, a couple other people that are smaller in pinball companies that have got bigger and just it was the time of my life, except for I was doing probably my most important interview ever with Mr. Jack Danger, about 40 feet away from the uh, stage. And Mr. Jeff Teolis started talking on the microphone. <laughs> and Jack Danger's like, just keep talking, just keep talking. He'll, 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 we'll try to, and we tried to go, you can hear it in the, the, you know, so we, we cut it about five minutes short, but still, you know, obviously a division at Pimberg happening is, finals is more important than my interview but honestly Pembroke was the time of my life and I want to go again I should have jumped on the mic and said uh we're going to get to the finals here Keith Owen will win in just a moment here but Albert's got to finish his interview that he decided to do right beside the main stage with Jack Danger give us a cue uh, Albert when you're done yeah that's bad on me for sure but hey it's great that you get to go to Pinburg. It's great. You got to see all those people. People enjoy your podcast. They enjoy your honesty. That's my favorite thing about you. And I've known you before we both started podcasting, both from the London, Ontario Pinball League, both from playing. And uh, when I speak of your honesty, I think everybody who knows you when you listen to the show really hears this person that, like all of us, has their own flaws, but is honest with themselves and is really trying to make yourself better and not afraid to apologize when things go wrong. And I think that's why you're so endearing to so many people is, is because you're just a real guy and you're a real fan of pinball and you like the other people in pinball. We're very similar in that way. I can't speak for Marty, but we like other people. Oh yeah, no, d- definitely appropriate to uh, omit me from that. Statement. Okay. So yeah, Albert, you and I both like people and and we're fascinated by their stories. And something like Pinburg is just this great melting pot and and big tournaments too. I'm sure Yegpin will be like that where you get to see people you haven't seen in a long time, especially after the uh, Ian plague. It's just a wonderful, crazy hobby that brings us all together. Yeah, and I mean, I was just thinking about this today. It's a hobby that brings together both rich people and, let's be honest, poor people or, for the most part, people right in the middle, Right. So, I mean, I've been privileged enough to buy and sell 15 pinball machines, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a poor person, but at the same time, since we moved to Nova Scotia, we lost, like, because of the stupid fungus, we lost our six main cafes that were our kind of cash cows that allowed us to move out here, and it's been hard to replace them on the East Coast, even though we're working on it, we're working on it, we're getting there slowly, um, but what I wanted to do when I got into pinball podcasting was I kind of just wanted to take the piss out of everybody. So, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of, I wanted to be more like Michael Scott, but I think I ended up being more like Dwight. And you know how Dwight is kind of always like, uh, you know, and I'm going to the office here, so if you haven't seen the office, I'm sorry, but I didn't want to be a person who was saying like five negative things and then the odd time throwing in a positive thing. I wanted to do more like in my a previous career as a driving instructor, and it was very important, especially when you had a bad driver or an unconfident driver or their first lesson, 
you had to really say two to three positives before you said a negative, even if the positives you're saying were complete bullshit. So I would say, oh, you're doing a great job with the gas and the brake. Wow, you're doing phenomenal keeping your chin up and looking in the center of the lane. But when we go around that corner, the goal is to not actually drive over the curb with the back tire, you know, and that's how I wanted to be in pinball. Like if I'm going to, you know, on one hand, maybe say to a company, you know, I, it would be really rad if you did this, you know, for instance, the one thing that bothers Ryan C and myself, the one thing that I would say we definitely have in common is if the, the noises in the game or the sounds in the game are distracting to the gameplay itself then it takes away from me. Now, if I'm in a big room with like 10 machines going, I don't care. I can get over it. Except if Aerosmith is playing. I can hear that sucker from anywhere. But that's neither here nor there. I think that that the people in pinball are really what kind of make it more fun. But for me, as someone who used to lie a lot and was basically, you know, I'd ba- I, would, I would get caught all the time. That was a joke between me and my friends. I was kind of like, uh, well, the Albert character from Big Fish who lied a lot. And, you know, I made the fish bigger than it was. It wasn't necessarily outright lying. but And I eventually uh, watched a show called Lie to Me and decided, hey, I'd like to try to live by absolute truthism where I'm telling everybody the truth all the time. The problem is, like, the cashier at the checkout doesn't need to know how bad her hair looks, right? Like, you have to decide, like, which okay, like if family or friends, they've got a big piece of lettuce in their teeth. That's where I'm going to be like, hey, before you go on stage to accept this award, you know, or something like I'm going to tell you about it. But I think in my show, what I thought was maybe missing from some of the other pinball podcasts was authenticity. And but really, why would you want to put yourself out there that much? And the difference is I don't really like to talk about news. I definitely don't like to talk about maintaining games because I don't know anything about that. All I really have is my authenticity. All I really have is my honesty or my truth. That's probably the only thing about me that's even remotely charming. I'm virtually unemployable. I'm somewhere on the range of being, at least according to several tests I've done, this is a a self-diagnosis, but bipolar. I really am not good with authority. Um, As far as you were talking about with the marijuana before and you never having tried it before you play pinball, I've never tried pinball sober. Today I got up at 4.50. Now today I didn't have any because I had to drive, and I never, ever, ever would do that while I'm driving. I just, I won't have any any marijuana, I won't have any beer, I just, I don't roll like that, I have kids and other people, it's just not a safe thing to do. But if I'm off to go play pinball, I almost all the time do it. And the main reason for it is because I just simply enjoy pinball more. Hi. You've just explained why you like Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, I like Ghostbusters because the artwork and the colors are awesome. Bullshit. You're high as a kite. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess that the question I want to ask then is, do you find that it helps you play better? And why would it help you play better? I think that it's very similar to beer. And this is the same thing with darts or playing billiards or probably almost anything. You have that range between like, I don't know, depending on how often you drink, three drinks to six drinks where you're you're like, wow, I think I'm a little more confident. You know, I'm a little bit more calm. It definitely calms me down. I can, if I'm at home playing and I have to go to work or something later, I will get mad at the machine and throw it and get angry and scream horrible things. If I've had a little bit of marijuana, I am calm as a peanut. I don't care. I just do little gentle nudges. I am more afraid of the ball going down because I don't want to get ashamed in front of everybody. I don't even care. Like if I'm playing pinball, if I go play pinball first thing in the morning, it's, it doesn't even, you know, it, I do think it helps you zone in a little bit. It does help you get inside your own head and, you know, kind of bubble out everything else. But it's the identical to people who probably, I, I typically only drink on the weekends. And it's kind of the same thing, right? Like for other people, I know that they drink more often. But 
I, I played pinball sober and I enjoy it. I still think it's really fun. I just know tournament wise for me, all the times I've done very well, I've either been in the range of, you know, three to five beers and a little bit of marijuana or just sometimes marijuana if I'm driving, of course. And I, I don't know. I just enjoy it better. I get the problem is I just, I do it all the time. So why would I not do it while I'm playing pinball? Right. No, I understand that. And and I guess the parallel for me, obviously gin related, probably the one of the, the most enjoyable tournaments where I did actually really well was the Australian Championship Series in Adelaide. And what I managed to do was stay between two and three drinks in for the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, like get a couple of drinks in and then pace myself that I'm staying at that level. And it did exactly what you're saying. It calmed my nerves. It stopped me doing silly moves or silly saves or or nudges. It just kept me relaxed enough to be able to play at at a good level. Marty, you saw me win a tournament absolutely smashed. I won't say where it is, but I was, I was gone and I don't do that for other tournaments and I play a lot of tournaments, but I do understand the relaxation, whether it's pot, whether it's booze, just the taking the edge off because I play like shit when I'm, it's, it's weird. I never play at home where I'm on edge. Like I've got to make the shot. I've got, so why would that work in a tournament? Yet sometimes I find myself in that mode where I'm like, oh, okay, you've got to hit this orbit. You've got to hit this, and, and you blow it completely. So when that edge is off a little bit, it seems to work. And I'm not pointing fingers at anywhere, but you know, there are places around the world where pot is legal and has been for a long time. The country of Canada. Uh, hmm. I wonder if there's a coincidence to all the amazing players in Colorado. That's a state that's had that law for, for a while. But I'm just saying there might be something to it. Can I just say, I, I still remember, and you can narrow it down because it hasn't been that many, but there was a tournament that I went to, a very large tournament in California, and I... I was just really surprised. Obviously, I come from a country where it's completely illegal. And I just remember walking around saying, isn't, isn't that marijuana? It was everywhere. Were you wearing your narc hat again, Marty? <laughs> no, obviously, I just went, this, this is a bit bizarre, but obviously it's legalized. But that's just very alien to me. Yeah. I, I mean, my main thing is I don't want people to mistake me. I think you need to wait until you're you know, until you're of legal age in the country that you're in or, you know, wait till you're maybe visiting Holland or Canada. Come visit Canada. It's the reason to come visit Canada. But at the same time, I have done it where I've outdone it. You know, I've gone out between a pinball tournament. I've had a little bit too much. I've had, I've done it with beer and I've also done it with marijuana where you've had too much and then all of a sudden you play like garbage and like you would have just been better to be completely sober while playing. So I've had it both ways. I'm not going to say that's the only way you can play because I know there's a lot of people who, you know, they, they need their caffeine to play. They bring two or three pops or they bring an extra large coffee or they, they're a teetotaler, right? And they, they bring that with them. And whatever it is that, that makes you play better, if you think you're going to play better with that, I don't care if it's not changing your underwear for the entire Pimberg. I mean, please, God, don't do that. But I'm just saying whatever it is that you think in your head is going to make you a better player will probably make you play better. You've obviously had a good whiff of a lot of people at pinball tournaments to make that comment. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not like you can avoid it. Come on, to be honest. So are you going to get back to anything else other than Yegpin? I know you have a lot of fans all across Canada, definitely the States, probably outside as well. I mean, you've been doing the podcast for a long time. Thank you. 
I will say one of the things that really got me excited to continue to do it, Jeff, was that you, and if you want to take this out, I'm totally okay with that. But you actually sent me, I think, a screenshot of your, like, year-end Spotify, and I was up there. Like, I was one of your most listened to for the year, and I went, whoa, that blows my mind. Like, this guy's a radio show talk show host. He's, he's not a professional comedian. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on the planet, and here you are listening to me just wax poetic, or at least I'm trying to from time to time. And I actually think of all the podcasts I've done, I've done, like, a good solid dozen that are, like, clean, neat, tidy uh, not lots of filler words, and actually I stayed on topic. And I'd like to try to make the show go back that direction. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little bit more stoic and a little bit more calm and add in a little bit less day-to-day, a little bit more about pinball. I'm also just going to re- record whenever I want to. I was dealing with, unfortunately, my my head cock, Larry, passed away. He was the only male left in our uh, chicken flock, and he unfortunately he had a foot thing. It doesn't matter. We had to bury him. And I just didn't feel like doing a show on Thursday. And even though I had told the nerds, oh, yeah, I'll be back with the new show. I just, I, I, and I just said to Danielle, I said, anytime I don't feel like doing a show, I won't do a show. Now, that being said, part of my plan, I don't want to use your show here to, you know, give you guys, uh, spill the tea per se, but I might as well because you've got a much bigger audience than me. At show 500, I wanted to and still would like to which is, you know, eight, eight away, I would like to switch over to doing video. Now, that being said, I might even revert to doing some audio and still some video because I think a lot of what I do is actually way more entertaining. Like when I'm taking you guys quite often on the Pimble Nerds podcast, I'll bring the phone with me and not even record through the snowball. And I'll, I'll you know, you can hear me walking through the, the mud, getting the maple sap, or you can hear all the bees around me, or you can hear me with the goats. And that stuff would look so good visually. And, and, and it would stick. I think it would have longer staying power on YouTube. Now, that being said, video content, you have to edit video content. You have to worry about way more things than with a podcast in many ways, especially the way that I podcast. But that being said, I think I'm ready to take the jump. Um, my son's done some video editing, and I would like to give it a try. But very worst case scenario, thank you, Elon Musk. We're going to get Starlink, and I will be able to live stream pinball someday again. So in the next – I've said this before, but in the next year, I would really like to purchase my first new inbox pinball machine – Don't know what it's going to be yet. Mind you, I will tell you that if for some reason uh, it was back to the future, that would be really cool. Now, I could only ever afford a pro probably, but geez, I mean, uh, now I would say there's also the most beautiful machine ever made, Centaur. I don't know. They might be remaking this or something. I don't know. So there's, you know, there's options out there. There's options out there. My money is not uh, locked into anywhere yet. I would buy a remake of Centaur in a heartbeat. I think that is an absolutely gorgeous machine. <laughs> if they ever did a uh, 2.0 code, which seems to be the hot thing, just saying, Marty, I'm putting my vote in. Anyway. Never heard of it. Don't know what you're talking about. Nope. <laughs> anyway, you got you got two sales right there. Just pass along to Damien if that's ever in the books. <laughs> but just to put things into perspective here, to do this podcast tonight, which we're doing across Skype, Albert had to email every single person in Nova Scotia and asked them to be offline for an hour just so this broadcast could happen. That's the dedication that he has to pinball <laughs> podcasting. We do appreciate it. And you, uh, you're humble about um, your podcasts, but 500, I mean, that's, that's a big, big deal. And I do enjoy the, the variety. I enjoy the fact that how do you come up with 500 different topics as a solo host? You know, Whatever I do on Pinball Profile, I've got somebody with me. It's not me by myself. You are, for most of them, by yourself. 
that's pretty incredible. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. I had absolutely no clue I would get to that many. It's like I said, it started kind of as a joke. The only thing that keeps me going is getting feedback. You know, Tim the Lion Man, Lee, one of my fellow tribe members there in the Poor Men's Pinball Tribe, um, Glenn the Skateboarder. Those guys, sometimes they, I think they're going to give up on me. They, sometimes they'll message me every day for a week and I won't, I won't write back. And then eventually I'll be like, oh, okay, I should probably chat with them. I feel bad. I have, you know, I got to sh- catch up with my pinball buds. And, you know, the more and more I, I realize it wasn't what I was giving the pinball community by talking. That was nothing. That didn't mean anything. What meant everything was the fact that the, the few people, and I'll be honest, I only got about 150 to 250 listens, especially if I wasn't doing an interview. And that being said, you know, you're releasing several times a week. It's probably okay. But those people who did listen, they listened very intently. And I could look at my uh, stats on the podcast app, Anchor, that I use, and it would show me that, like, you know, some episodes when I started wandering off too far from pinball, yes, they would tag off. But quite often, people stuck it right out to the end. And I I haven't listened. I've maybe listened to about 20 of them. And I'm not suggesting people go back and listen to any of them. But that being said, the 20 that I thought that were the most negative, I deleted all in one fell swoop and got rid of them. So I think like everything up to about episode, wherever they are now is fine. It's they're okay. But my favorite thing to do is to do like what I got to do with you, Jeff, on Pinball Profile a couple years and chat like this or with any of the other, you know, my podcasting buddies or even if we're not recording on the mic. Just shoot the shots with David Dennis at a pinball tournament or Tom MacArthur, right, our, our awesome tournament director. Or, you know, and my favorite thing, my favorite thing about Yegpin is, again, some people say you can't go to a pinball tournament, play the tournament, and enjoy your time there. Bull crap. You can go to a pinball tournament, play in the tournament, do well, and have a great time catching up with people. It's more challenging, of course, if you're in, like, a Whopper Farm with, like, nine tournaments, but you can do it. And I think, Jeff, you're a good example of that. You go to a lot of these tournaments, and I, I hear you, you know, you get to catch up with a lot of these people when you go to the tournaments, and I'm a little jealous. Uh, probably Martin is, too. He's sitting there going, geez, it would be nice if we could. So hopefully I get to meet Marty at, I don't know, maybe TPF or Indus next year or something like that, wherever you go. And, Jeff, ah, uh, you'll be at every pinball tournament I possibly ever come to. Everyone. Everyone. Every single one. <laughs> yeah. Orby, we will catch you on Pinball Nerds coming up to 500, maybe a video show. And uh, don't let David Dennis beat you again. Come on, man. Oh, that, that, that's just a no-no. David Dennis, you will never beat me again. Good. Take that. No, I'm just kidding. I, I will say this. The line that I wanted to say, the only line I thought of saying tonight, I didn't say at the start, and I should have, was that when you guys messaged me, to be on the final round, I honestly was more surprised than if Christopher Franchi and Gary Stern pulled up right now in a DeLorean and gave me a Back to the Future LE one of one Orby special. It's way out there. You know, like I'm telling you, because I, I'm thinking of the caliber guests that you guys have on there, and I just didn't think that in a million years you guys would, uh, you know, want to have me on the show. So thank you so much. And, you know, after I was on TPM before, so I wasn't 100% sure. I would be welcomed back. So, and I was, and I really appreciate it. Come on. You guys rock. Hold on a second. Hey, Marty, we're not cutting this out. Marty, has TPN ever told us what to do, whenever to do it? Or do we just say, here's what we're doing, take it or leave it? No, absolutely. It was our very brief discussion we had about the format of our show with the TPN committee. We basically said, we will do it if we're given free reign. And they're like, absolutely, that's, that's what we want. So, 
there you go. Not to be good. It's not to be a dick or anything like that. And and people may like it or not. Based on Twippies, they fucking hate it. You're the only guy who listens to the show, apparently, Orby. But the <laughs> I voted for you guys number one in the Twippies, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. You mailed it into the wrong place. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Orby. We appreciate that. But no, I mean, listen, TPN is great. It has great diversity. We enjoyed when you were on it. And uh, I don't think there's any ill will, uh, certainly not on our part. And I've never heard anything from anyone either. So No, I didn't. I was kind of just joking. I didn't yeah, think so. But I no. just felt like I didn't put my best foot forward, like with doing the top three with Orby. And I kind of wish I either had a co-host to banter off of or I just wish I had gone at it a different, you know. But, you know, there's, uh, there's the future could come. Who knows? I still have video, like I told you guys. I'm hoping to do that. I want to get back to live streaming, thanks to Elon Musk. That would be great. Yep. So, uh, but more importantly, every extra penny that I have is not going to be spent on me getting pinball machines. Every penny I have is going to be spent to make sure, like, you know, I don't have that much extra free spending money. I want to go to Indisc. I want to go to Yagpin. I want to go to TPF. I want to go to Expo. I want to go to the Whopper Farms. District 82, I've never even seen it yet, right? So I want to go to all these different places. And each year, I think it's going to be fun for me to plan out maybe one big tournament in the States and one big tournament in Canada and get to see all my pinball nerd buddies. And that to me is way cooler than having a pinball arcade full of machines. Well, Orby, we look forward to it. And uh, by the way, when I sent Zach Manny a note saying, hey, we're doing a final round episode with Orby, we want it released on 420. He said, that is awesome. So uh, <laughs> again, I don't think there's any ill will. All the best, my friend. I will see you this summer and uh, look forward to listening to you. I love it. And Jeff, just because you're top 100, don't think I'm going to let you beat me at Yegpin. <laughs> the way I'm playing you, that's a, that's a safe bet. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, guys. Marty, great to finally chat with you. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good night, guys. Thanks, Albert. So there we go. There was Orbital Orby Albert Agar. What did we learn, Jeff? Good to have him back. I like the guy a lot. Feel sorry that he's so close to David Dennis. That's a tough one. I mean, I would have probably <laughs> given the realtor shit Moved on again. that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you hear him hype up Back to the Future? Is that really the license that uh, everyone's seeking now? Look, I think it is. People have been wanting that game for a very long time, and it's the the grail theme for a lot of people. Me, I, I'm, I'm probably a little bit soured by the Data East version, which just isn't that awesome. Loved the first movie, loved the second movie, the third movie I wish they'd never done. Okay. I just watched the first movie again. I remember seeing it back in 85. I, eh, it's okay. It's all right. Maybe I'm missing something. I think I'm still missing it. <laughs> I, I, oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, but now oh, I love it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I loved it when it came out. I'm not saying it wouldn't make a great pinball machine because I think it would. Trust me, it would. People say the same thing about Goonies. I don't mm. get that movie. Ghostbusters, funny movie, good movie. I, I see why that made sense. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. People wanted that game to come out and it came out. It did nothing for me, but you know, people certainly enjoy that game. I'm, I, I, it did nothing for me, but I think TMNT is a great theme for pinball. Okay. Mm. Music pins. Yeah. Led Zeppelin yeah. does nothing for you. Rush probably does nothing for you. As far as the theme. Yep. Iron Maiden. We saw how many people didn't give a shit about that. My whole yep. point of this is. It doesn't matter what the fucking theme is, because if it's a good game, does theme really matter? What licensed theme matters for is to help advance sales with a already built-in fan base group. It might make people go, oh, look at that in an arcade. Here's my quarters. But it's the second set of quarters and, and dollars and things like that 
are all dependent on how good the game is. You're absolutely right. But there's a critical piece in all of this. It's not about the theme because whether it's original or whether it's, you know, a paid license, that obviously gets the initial numbers. But really what it is, it's, it's theme integration. It is how you use that game, that theme to tell a story, to create modes, to help you progress through the game, to give you call outs or light shows, to, to let you know that you've done something good, that you feel good. It's the sum of everything coming together. And it's, it's all about integration. So, you know, an example I'll give is Dialed In. It is not a great theme. I just, it just, I just don't think it is. But the integration of it, I think, is really good. There you go. My point. (laughs) 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 Can you elaborate a little more on that? Like, is there any, uh, give me other examples. Um, Well, Rush, for example, right? I am not interested in Rush whatsoever, but the more I watch it, because I still haven't played it, I think they've integrated that theme really well. They've used good music that sets a good soundtrack around you. They've got good call-outs. They've got good modes around the songs. That's what I think makes a good game. Weird Al would have good theme integration. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 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 okay. Best example, I would say, Aerosmith. Not interested in the band at all. I think it's a terrible theme. But how they animated the band members, how they integrated the different songs to create distinctive modes, how they used the toys to integrate with the songs. I think that is where theme integration totally takes a pretty average license and turns it good. I don't know. I look at some of the biggest games of all time. Attack from Mars, Medieval Madness. You know, I think of games like Stargazer that are a player's dream game with all those three spinners. No licensed themes there, but good theme integration. So I, I get your point. Yep. But again, yep. it's it's selling that fan base right now. That's why everyone, I guess, wants to have a, a license. And I think our consumers are being a little jaded that if it doesn't have a license, it cannot be a good game. And I disagree absolutely that I just don't think that is possible. That has nothing to do with whether the game is good or not. It does matter how well it might do on an arcade. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I agree. But I, again, it, it just comes down to how a, a good game is a good game. It's got to have a good layout. It's got to have good art. It's got to have good audio. It's got to get, got to have, have good rules. If you don't tie the band to that, then I, I think it's going to suffer. And though I've not played it, So you can discount my opinion from here if you want. I think that's kind of what people have been saying about Led Zeppelin in that it's a, I'll say it, it's a great theme, okay? Led Zeppelin is a very well-known band with an extraordinary catalogue. It should be a slam dunk. The integration of that theme wasn't awesome because they didn't do great art. They didn't necessarily do good songs that really stand out as individuals linked to the songs. Am, am I wrong in saying that? No, I get your point. So that, that should have been much better had there been better theme integration is what I'm saying. I think it's all about the play field. If it wasn't for the rules, Led Zeppelin would – I love Steve Ritchie. 
Steve, please don't listen to this episode. Please do not listen to this episode. I love Steve Ritchie. <laughs> I think you're safe. Steve knows how much I feel. I saw him at Texas. That is one of his worst designs. And he has said he had things taken out. So there you go. There is the electric magic spinner in that. That is a very mm. cool toy and gimmick. One that I have had turned off on my machine for 10 plus months because it gets in the way of how you actually play the game. But it's fun for novices and stuff to, to rip the spinner. By the way, it's got one of the greatest sounds ever when you rip that. But it just, if the whole game and the code is based on getting combos and this thing pops up in the middle of the play field and stops you from hitting possible shots, I want nothing to do with it. Okay, so let me ask you this question then. And I don't know where this is going to go, so it may either prove what I'm saying or disprove it, but what's what's it called? The magic something spinner? Electric magic. Electric magic. So how does that particular toy tie in to the Led Zeppelin theme? There was a famous tour called the Electric Magic Tour. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. So, so, so that's it. So the spinner itself is a thing that pops up, spins, and goes back down. How is that integrated? How does that tell a story in itself? You, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. I'll go back to I'll go back to Aerosmith where the toys in the attic. You've got a toy box with a jester on top of it. Like that's theme integration. That is just an element that has been given the name from a Led Zeppelin thing. Yeah, Rush has the Time Machine, which is a famous tour of theirs, um, and it all. It, if you look at their stage show, it was there. I think it's, you're right. The integration is definitely there. There's the roll the bones, which is named after an album when you go into the scoops and it gives you a, a roll the bones. It rolls the dice to give you what your mystery is. I get all that. It, it's good. Yeah. It's got to have purpose is what I'm saying. Purpose that's linked to the theme, not just purpose because it exists and then a name put to it. Godzilla, you got a building coming down. You got a bridge collapsing. You've got yeah. jet allies. Yep. It all makes sense. Right? Yeah. Mandalorian. Yep. Uh, that, that looks pretty good with a razor crest and, and, and things there. Makes sense. Jurassic Park. Of course, you've got the big dinosaur. Yep. Uh, Guardians has the big Groot. All good integration. So these are well done. But again, these are all very attractive things when you're at an arcade and you see that title. Oh my God. I love that. Like I love Spinal Tap. I will not buy the Spinal Tap game unless I play it and I really fall in love with it, but I'll definitely put a quarter in it or I'll flip it because I want to see this. You know, when it's at Texas Pinball Festival, it's kind of a remodeled um, Flash Gordon and they've done a really good job. There's an LCD screen. They've got movie clips in there. You know, when the game's working, it's fun, fun, fun to play. If the home pin's like that, okay, maybe, but you've got to be a, I'm a diehard Zeppelin fan. It kills me to have this game that I realize isn't, Super fun, except for the code. The code is spectacular. Mm. I still play the game, but it's, I can see novices not enjoying this game. That being said, as we lead into what the last two weeks have been like, I've got a couple new games coming in, Marty. I haven't even told you. I know you do. Well, you, do. Well, you just mentioned that one that you've been waiting for nine months. I'm going to assume that that's Avengers. Avengers Infinity Quest I use through my Stern Rewards program, and it's the premium. I actually like the pro just as much. The premium, it was a good deal. And of course, you get the subway. You get Doctor Strange coming up. You've got the different Captain Marvel shot. It'll be my first Elwin game. And I would have them all because they're all great. But it's a theme my son certainly likes. He likes the the Marvel movies. So looking forward to getting that and learning it because it's a pretty deep game. I know mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I know Ryan didn't have a lot of fun with it. Uh, didn't like the callouts. I'll give you that. But it, it should shoot well. And I'm getting another game. Now, let me guess what that is. I reckon it's a game that you told me you're getting about five minutes before we started recording. Oh. Am I right <laughs> so far? That was an hour ago. So, yes. <laughs> Legends of Valhalla. Finally, it's coming in. Yeah, it's good. So I don't know how many are in Canada. It might be the first one, but uh, it'll be fun. Exclusive, exclusive. It'll be fun for some of the league players to get to play that in the next few weeks when I host uh, three weeks from now. So I'm looking forward to it. I probably will have the sound turned up a little bit. I don't know why that would be, but uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hey, it's it's, I've played it at Texas. I've played it. At Expo, and I really enjoyed it. I might have even uh, stopped by American Pinball uh, on my way to Wisconsin. Oh, I had I had a busy week. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to know about um, it or no? We can. What, what about you? Let's go to you. What's your week been like? My week has been the the same as <laughs> previous weeks. Just obviously uh, working on Fathom, getting it close to getting in a box, which is. So close. We appreciate that. You're taking time away right now from working at Haggis to do this podcast. And even over and above that, I can't believe you're doing this podcast when the secrets of Dumbledore is out this weekend. How are you not there with your little wand? (laughs) How dare you refer to my wand as being little. It's a Beatrix one, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Bellatrix Lestrange. What is it? How do you remember that? Bellatrix Lestrange. I didn't even say it right. I said Beatrix. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You got it so freaking close, which is just far more than I thought you would. Yeah, that was my one that I got from, what is that place in LA? Universal. Universal Studios. How long was the lineup? Uh, Very long. (laughs) To go go on the, um, the actual Harry Potter ride, I think we waited in queue maybe an hour and 40 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's it. for a ride, though. I, I get that. You're not alone there. How long was the lineup for the store? Oh, half an hour. Oh, yeah. That's worth it. That, that's, you know, that's livable. Um, but, yeah, no, I will get on to the secrets of Dumbledore. Don't you worry. But, no, it, it, as we said before, it's it's Easter. It's a really nice day here. I'm enjoying talking to you. I could think of nothing better except complete side note, and this has got nothing to do with pinball, guys. So fast forward three minutes. I'm getting obsessed with AI at the moment to do with, there's a couple of things. GPT-4 is just about to be released. So this is the the AI that, you know, you can see, you just type in GPT-3 or GPT-4 into YouTube and you'll see these chatbots talking to you, like these GPT-4, GPT-3 is the, the current one. But I've just gone into a massive rabbit hole. It's called DALI, D-A-L-L, apostrophe E, which is a combination of Wally, the robot, and Dali, the artist, where you can now type in text and then it draws a painting for you, a picture. And it is incredible. I I worry now if it's the death of art. There you go. I've said it. Yeah. Because you can now, you can type in, and there's this this YouTube clip I saw of this guy that's done a thousand images involving robots Basically, he types in a robot holding a baby in a field of roses with a rainbow background in the style of Monet. And it creates a picture that is phenomenal, that 
and, and multiple versions of it. This is what AI is, and I'm obsessed with it at the moment. That's been my week. Well, sorry, um, Randy Martinez, Zombie Yeti, Christopher Franchi, all you pinball artists. GPT-3 is the new <laughs> creators of art, according to Marty. GPT-3, this is Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, correct? Sure. An auto-regressive language model that uses deep learning to produce human-like text. Yep. And so now they've they've used that sort of, I guess it's AI code, to now be able to create art. So so you could say, and, you know, maybe this will happen for Haggis in the future, um, pinball art insert theme in the style of Chris Franchi. Go. My goodness. You know what I mean? Okay. So there you go, guys. Look, the other thing I want to talk about is I know you've got your pinball machines that are coming out and I want to talk about Toy Story because it comes back to the conversation we're talking about theme integration, right? First of all, do you think Toy Story is a great theme for pinball? Do I think? Just, just in context, for those people that don't know, it has been rumoured for a very long time. In fact, I looked it up. I was told by somebody very much in the know at Jersey Jack on the 3rd of December 2016 that Toy Story was coming that long ago. So apparently it is about to be announced. We don't know when. So but back to my first question. Do you think Toy Story is a great theme? And second of all, what would you want from that theme as far as integration goes? There you go. That, that ties it all back. I'll give you the second answer first. Okay. You have to have a lot of the assets. You have to have unique call-outs. You have to have the proper voice actors because, unfortunately, knockoffs will be Guardians of the Galaxy, bobbly bow, yep. bobbly bow, that kind of stuff. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah, it's got to yeah. be the real thing because they're just too iconic. So that's that's the need for your second question to be effective. But when it comes to themes, I think pinball designers and coders. These licensed themes, especially iconic ones like Toy Story, I think they're actually handcuffed by the fact that everyone knows where the story goes, what it's supposed to do, and that it has a finite end. I think if it is in the world of Toy Story and the creators can do whatever they want with it, using Woody, using Buzz, all these other things, I think that makes it a better game as opposed to trying to recreate the movies. So you're possibly inadvertently or vertically talking about Jurassic Park because yes, exactly exactly right and i and i felt because i think i told you I, I put the alternate code on that had the movies on it and it didn't feel the same i want to feel like i'm in the game having my own journey as opposed to feeling like i'm watching a movie in its sequences yeah i think the pinball player thinks they know what they want and they want it to be just like Back to the Future, just like Jurassic Park, just like Toy Story. But if it's got that same feel and you're in the world of it and it goes into a place you don't know, like Jurassic Park, I think it's a better game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you it was sort of what you were saying before. Like, we already know the story of Toy Story. We already know the story of And there's an end to it. Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's right. You know where it's headed. And it's great to be able to get there, but it's nice to be able to have your own choose your own adventure if you if it you know what i mean it's the unknown it makes the game more fun you don't know what the wizard yeah. mode is going to be like you don't know yeah we like to be surprised i think so and how great is it 
for a whole new story. You love that world. Now you're getting a different world. I think it's, yeah, I, I like, I like the idea of it. And again, I think the creative minds in pinball, and there are a lot of them would have a field day with this versus uh, how many times have you heard designers and coders say, well, we were handcuffed. We weren't allowed to do this. We weren't allowed to do this. That just kills the creative buzz. Yeah. So it really, again, it it depends on the license holder themselves and how tight they are with how things need to look or whether you've got someone like Slash from Guns N' Roses that's like, well, I actually, I'm I'm a pinball head. Let's go crazy with this stuff. That's when it works. And then you've got Star Wars when it doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, that's just, that's just true. But, but again, going back to Toy Story, I think you've got to have, you've got to have toys in the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like you've got to have toys and I think you've got to have a lot of them, but they've also got to have a purpose coming back to my theme integration thing. Well, what toys would you have in there? Well, you'd obviously have, you'd have to have Buzz and you'd have to have, what's his name? Woody. But they're not bash toys, are they? I mean, what are they doing? They're just on there? I mean, what, what's the, what's the toy? Is it, is it Pizza Planet? I don't, I don't know. This is what I'm saying. Is it Zerg? Or was it whatever the, the evil guy, is that his name Zerg? It could be one of those, could be, it could be like a claw game. You Ooh. know, where you get those, those th- three eyed little creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. That would be cool. It would be kind but, of, it, it kind of, it comes back to what you were saying before. There's a lot of expectation around this theme. How can you satisfy everybody's needs when, it, it becomes the home because everybody wants everything and then you've got this monster. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't you diss the Homer Mobile. Are you kidding? My big gulp drinks, I've yet to find a cup holder in any car that will fit my drinks. <laughs> um. Um, anyway, so there you go. That That's really, I guess, the imminent news that we're hearing is that. But the other thing, sort of Jersey Jack related, and I, I, I are you a top? Or a bottom? <laughs> are, are you a top? Are you a topper guy? Is what I'm asking. Am I a topper guy? Mm. Not to purchase. No. Do I think they look nice? Some yes, many no. If it comes with the game, you're happy. But if you have to buy it separately, you're not bothered. I think the Zeppelin one looks pretty cool, and I have an LE. I still won't buy the mm. thing. Yeah. Okay. The, the reason I'm bringing that up is that um, Elite Pinball Toppers, who came out. I don't know how long ago it was, but they had that Indiana Jones topper that was, you know, spectacular. Expensive, but spectacular. Have you seen their Pirates of the Caribbean topper that's just been announced? Yes, I have. I saw it on Nap Arcade. OMG. It's amazing. It is. And it's not just that it's it's obviously the Kraken and its arms move and the, the ocean moves and you've obviously got the screen behind it. It's not necessarily that. It's the detail when you zoom in and you look at how they've painted these things. It is absolute craft. It really is. Yeah. $2,500. Sorry, I can buy games for $2,500. Well, you can't because the bubble hasn't burst. <laughs> I can buy games for $2,500. <laughs> nice try. No, I, yeah, no, I know what you mean. But they're only going to sell 100 of them. They only want to sell, that's all that they're making. They'll sell out for sure. hundred. That's the gimmick. Sorry. That is the gimmick. They should sell 200 and they'll still sell $2,500. Although I don't know how many of those games are out there, but still we have people buy the toppers without the games. People, especially like the black Knight topper. I don't have a black Knight. I'll get one eventually, but that topper that the head moves like that is 
one of the greatest toppers. To me, the toppers that stand out the most are that one and um, Attack from Mars from Chicago Gaming. That one was really cool. Other ones I could live without, but this one, this one's pretty cool. But again, is it worth $2,500 or is it worth $2,500 because they're only making a hundred of them? Yeah. But also, if you think about what it would cost to make and you're only talking 250 grand on the table for the whole 100. It doesn't cost $2,000 to make that topper. No, it doesn't. But a thousand, maybe. But these people aren't retiring on this. It's not like they're, they're going to buy a Ferrari from the proceeds. It's not a lot of money. It's a hobby. Uh, I think they, they'll make a good year's income off this. Yeah, okay. Well, that's not bad if you can... God, <laughs> seriously? If anyone can make a living out of pinball, fantastic. I want Mrs. Pin to get like a... Dr. Pin, if you're listening, get that woman the greatest 3D printer ever and you can quit your little doctor job All right. She doesn't have to be refraining from swearing to the little children she teaches and she can retire making great toppers. That's what I'd like to see her do because this is, you know, she has that creative mind and uh, I've seen her make some good toppers. I'd like to see her do something like that and just see how how far she could take this. I'm telling you, if Mrs. Pin put out, okay, we're only making a hundred of these for, for Rush or whatever the game is. I'm telling you, they sell out. They would. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely agree. But they've got to also license these things, I guess. How dare you? Well, but they wouldn't, that, that, um, that topper for Pirates of the Caribbean wouldn't need any licensing because there's no branding on it. It's just the Kraken tentacles, the, the waves, a, a ship that's going down, and then the, the screen that's showing waves. There's, there's no licensing involved in that at all. Done. Yeah. Very smart move. We're looking forward to seeing what Mrs. Pin comes up with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then I'll be a topper person. <laughs> what else has been happening in your world, Jeff? Went to District 82. Yes, I did. I went to that super spreader of Whoppers and COVID, apparently. There were a few people that came away with the uh, the cough. Was Ian there? I, I didn't see Ian. Maybe he was outside <laughs> greeting people. Uh, <laughs> no, there were a few people that got it, but uh, I guess everyone's doing well. And uh, hey, it's this has nothing to do with District 82. The same thing happened at Texas Pinball Festival. A lot of people came back with it. That's kind of what happens when a lot of people, especially in the pinball community, gather together and uh, we've got this whatever variant out there and, and masks are not necessarily mandatory. It's going to happen. You just deal with it. You Hopefully you're protected. And uh, But the actual venue, a lot of people have seen on Fox City's Pinball, which you can see on the Pinball Network. Tom Graff does a great job there. Eric Thorne has this wonderful location. It's, let me think, one, two, two major big, big rooms, then two kind of side rooms of pinball action. 100 plus machines. So forget the tournaments. If you were just to go there and play, here's my $25 play away. But there's a lot of tournaments that are going on as well. And they do these big, big super events. This was the Great Lakes Open. 130 players from all over, including Simon Peel from Australia. Paley was there. He showed up and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he said, well, a bunch of us were going to come here. The one guy kind of fucked up his visa. The other guy bailed. And, uh, you know, I'm here. I am. He did a, a few things in North America and wound up there and had a, had a good time. But, um, I didn't realize that district 82, as big as it is here in North America, certainly the States, but even in Canada too, has made it, you know, international, so to speak. And, and people knew about it in Australia. Well, do you know whether he was over there to go and see the masters, the golf? 
Who? Well, I would say no, he wasn't because it was the exact same time as the tournament. So, yeah, you, okay. you know, the Masters was a Thursday through Sunday tournament and this tournament was Friday through Saturday. And I think he told me he started off in California as that's the easy stop from Australia and then to fly to basically the Midwest. Yeah. No, I asked that because I thought that would have made more sense from a, a round trip. Go there, see the Masters because he's a, he's a massive golfer mm. and play in a pinball tournament. Yeah, no, because most of those golf tournaments are weekends and most tournaments are weekends too. So no, but um, I know he had a good time. I had a great time. Played worth a shit, but uh, when you have that many great <laughs> players there. Oh boy, fun, fun place. Um, you know, you see places like this. I went to Fulda. I went to Bulls and Balls and, of course, Freddy's and some of these places in Germany. The Boras Open in Sweden is another place. Brisbane Masters is going to be similar to that. But this is the thing now, right, is let's pack a bunch of things in into weekends and have just this big Whopper Fest, you know, burn out, play 12, 15 hours a day for two, three days, and then and then relax. This might be the new norm. And we talked about it with Chuck Webster when I said I think a lot of leagues – that were certainly whopper based are probably going to die. Now the, if you're just there to have some social fun and I like those too, those may still exist, but I'm hearing a lot of leagues finding other ways of playing pinball. And many of them are just simply tournaments now. Yeah. Makes sense. They've, they've got to evolve. And as we, we saw with new England, they either say we're not part of IFPA anymore and continue doing what they do, or they change to be a part of it. it it's just, it's, it's a, it's a turning point. You know what I mean? They, it's a crossroads. They have to make a decision based on the new rules. Hmm. But I do know arcades are probably dependent of leagues because it's harder for them to maybe hold tournaments and shun the regulars. So a league night would be very important to them, important for the Stern army. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how these develop. If you don't care about Whoppers, everything is status quo. If you do care about them, these leagues will probably have to adjust a little bit. But speaking of arcades, I, at the end of my trip, because I flew out of Chicago, went to one Logan Arcade. And I don't mean to brag, but because it was at Logan in Chicago, I might have sent a text to Keith Elwin. I said, get your ass to Logan, bring some dollars, and he might have shown up. And Marty, we may have talked about you, but because, <laughs> because we're friends, I'm not going to bring that up. You know, that what happened between Keith and I, we're just, I'm just going to leave it. It's not, I don't tell you this to make content on this podcast. That's just. Nah. The, the stuff that happened between me and Keith, well, we've decided to, to keep it as a, a private matter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot of, a lot of love there. Yeah. I mean, I know he cares for me deeply, mm-hmm. but. Um, the details of it, yeah, we're just not going to talk about. So no, we'll just you know let that one lie. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we 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 may have played a few games, but it doesn't really matter what happened. I mean, I, I no. we did it just for the fun of it. And uh, yeah, how how much did you lose? I don't want to talk about it. it <laughs> of course not. Because course I not. beat him three out of four games. So suck that, Marty. Yeah, okay. three out of four, including yeah. one called oh I don't know Godzilla. <laughs> You know what? Keith does a lot of charity work. So <laughs> I don't think he gave he a continues. shit. continues. Listen, this is What has he got to prove? He's he's like, you know what? My 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 job now is to make everybody else feel good about themselves. So I'm gonna throw the game. That's a good point. Give those people their moment. It's a good point. Yeah. 
actually, I, I went first and I said, Keith, I don't care how much this costs me. Just teach me how to play your game. And he goes, you know, what's, what's so hard about it? And I'm like, listen, I do a podcast with Marty. He's not a big fan of this game. So you got to convince me that this is a good game so I can pass along to Marty. He goes, what does he like? He goes, he just slips and gets points, doesn't really know what's going on or what the big wow moments are. So, so teach me. And he did. And, you know, you, you start off with both ramps and then you get into the scoop and you start your little, uh, your little battle. And, uh, I always pick the third one down. I don't know what the, the characters' names are, but the one where you basically have to hit the ramps. And he said, yeah, you can do that. There's not a lot of points there. And I went, oh, okay. Well, where should I go? And he goes, my favorite line, he goes, do you think I have a simple path where just do this one thing and, <laughs> and that's how you beat the game? His point was there are lots of ways you can beat the game, but what he liked to do was do whatever the first one was. And that's the three spinners. Good points there. And I'm like, okay. So I did that. I did a few other things. Didn't really know when to use the heat ray, when to really shoot the building. The one thing I have learned from watching him and watching Carl D'Angelo is they hardly ever, ever, and this is pretty much true for all of Keith's games. They hardly never use the top flipper ever. It's a gimmick flipper, except when you have like the magnet grab on Godzilla and then you, you hit the loops, but they never let, they never flip away at that. I remember early code of Iron Maiden, Jim Belsito was looping Maiden over and over and over again. <laughs> Next thing you saw the code change and the, those loops weren't much, worth much. And, uh, you know, it was a risky shot. So why bother? Which I think they should have kept in because it's a risky shot. So make it worth something. Yeah. Anyway, four for four with that guy with, with his games, uh, we then went, he, I said, what do you want to play? Keith losers pick. Um, and he, he picked, <laughs> he picked kiss. I destroyed the shit out of it. <laughs> this is at Logan arcade. Didn't quite get the GC, got the one right underneath it. Oh my goodness. I didn't, I, I blew it up. But again, I think it was because at district 82, I played their kiss a couple times, tighter settings. So I had been beaten up on the weekend. So when I played this one, it was like, oh wow, I was like playing with the glass off. So maybe that was it. Then Centaur, you and uh, Albert and I were talking about that. We played Centaur. I think I had two million after one ball. I was just on fire, and uh, I love that game. So, and then he got mm. me on. It's all right. He got me on Shack Attack. <laughs> <laughs> but there are no winners on that game. Well, that was the thing. It was like you had a choice of picking an extra ball or picking five thousand points. We would pick five thousand points, so we didn't have to play it again. <laughs> So it was the first to lose kind of one. So technically I was four for four. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, it was fun. That was good. Uh, yeah. So, so good. Um, Are you possibly going to be doing some travel again soon? Yes. Are you reading up on Pinball Profile? I might be. <laughs> there might be a smaller tour being planned starting in June. I don't want to reveal. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. There, there's some dates that are uh, are falling into place. Basically, what you're saying is, when you announce it, you won't shut the fuck up about it. So, when that time's right, sure, I get it. I understand. The last time I did one, it was a world tour because I was in Canada, I was in the states, I was in Denmark, and I was in Australia. This will not be a world tour. This will be a played in America tour. There, yeah, the reveal. It's a trip. It, it's, it's, well, it's pretty big. Actually, it's actually bigger than the other one. Uh, and, uh, just hammering out all the details, the locations, the sponsors, all that kind of fun stuff. But we start in June. You know what it was? I was looking at my, 
uh, travel plans with family, with pinball, all that kind of stuff. I was like, hmm, I could get a few of these pinball things in. I found about seven. I was like, oh, that's almost the makings of a road trip or a tour. So I just have to add a few, and, and there you go. Talked to a lot of people at TPF and a few on the phone, and uh looks like we're set to go. So watch for that on Pinball Profile, and I'm sure I'll brag about it here on Final Round. It's not unlike me to do so. Guaranteed. <laughs> yes, but we talked about this earlier, and we're going to get into this. Uh The secrets of Dumbledore. You are doing this podcast and not seeing that. I want to know more about that, but right now, we got to make some money. It's time for our sponsor of the week. It promises to be the biggest summer ever on both the big and small screen. Dramatic conclusions to series like Stranger Things, Better Call Saul, and Ozark. Plus, new shows like Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Boys Season 3. On the big screen, there's the new Top Gun and Jurassic World films. Plus, superhero flicks, Doctor Strange 2, and Thor Love and Thunder. So much good cinema, I can't wait to see. But there's one thing you need to do first, before all these are released. Unfriend everyone. You can't risk spoilers. People and their big mouths will fuck it up for everyone. You know that certain jackass that posts, I'm not going to say anything, but be prepared to cry. You asshole, we can put two and two together and realize someone will die. Avoid that person in your life who, quote, just want to let you know to save your money, don't go see the movie you've been waiting several years for. Go off the grid this summer. Talk to no one. Stay off the net. Don't read texts. Don't answer the phone. But what about that person who says, all I'm going to say is... Nothing. Shut your mouth. All people who spoil on social media will be vilified on Final Round in a public display of shame. Shame. This has been a public service message and your final warning. Marty, I still am shocked that uh, you're here doing this podcast when... The latest uh, crumbs of Harry Potter are in the theater and you're not going to see it. Why? Um, the honest answer is because... Can't find your wand. No, because I don't go to the cinema anymore. Because of your massive theater room? Because I've got my own cinema at home. So, <laughs> so the, 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 the honest answer is I'm waiting for the appropriate version to be able to watch it. What do you mean the appropriate version? Oh, I'm downloading it for fuck's sake. <laughs> You're a bad, bad man. But uh, <laughs> we have no tax collectors here or copyright licensors. That's fine. You're not alone. So you are interested is what you're saying. Oh, gotcha. I, I haven't necessarily been. I've enjoyed the Fantastic Beasts movies. Um, they haven't been as great as the Harry Potter ones, but for for potterheads like me that just uh, just want more content, I gladly welcome them. They're fine. They're good. They're okay. They were, they're there. They're Is not it, terrible. It's not like they're, you know, it's not like Matrix Resurrections. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It makes me just feel dirty even talking about it. Just, I still haven't watched the end of it, and I won't. Don't ever. It is just, oh, it's just so, just soul-destroying, even knowing that it exists. Hey, wasn't Jada Pinkett in that? <laughs> she was. She was. She was the old lady in it. Yes, she was. She yeah. looked a lot like G.I. Jane in that. Didn't you notice that? 
Stop. What did I say? Stop. Oh, stop That's terrible. Because she didn't. So you're just making that joke because you want to talk about the Will Smith slap again because you know how much it gets my blood boiling. Ow, I just got slapped. Anyway. <laughs> uh, she was in the movie, I think. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah. But this Fantastic Beasts thing, I heard. Now, okay, I, I'm not a Potterhead. That was a book that was mentioned in the Harry Potter books, correct? The Fantastic Beasts? Is that how it works? Yeah, I think, yeah, one of, yeah, I, yeah, probably. Okay. Glad it's I've got fun. a Potterhead here on to explain everything <laughs> for. What I do know is, listen, after seven movies and a cash cow, they wanted to know where this can go. I mean, they've done the theme parks. They've sold wands to, you know, unsuspecting fools. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a lot of the money, but what else can they do? Well, they've done the theater show that they people can buy tickets for, and then they pull the show and move it to another city. Uh, mm. Did that happen to you? Oh, yeah. Yes, it did. You know that. Oh, chap. I forgot all about that. Sorry. Yeah, um, of course. It's here did. in Toronto. Anyway, um, so they come up with Fantastic Beasts, and they, it's in the world of Harry Potter. Okay. Because the first one made $800 million, they said, well, we're going to make five of these movies. They're getting apparently – not the greatest press, and they're having a lot of problems. They're saying there might be a curse on these movies um, with maybe some of the actors and uh, some of the people behind the scenes. So apparently, and I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of the movies. I've seen the Harry Potter ones, not these ones. This third one is kind of no cliffhangers. It could be the final one in case they decide not to make the full five. So who knows? Okay, well, I hadn't heard about that <laughs> Um, no, it doesn't spoil anything. It's just saying that there's, there's, that's common news that they were going to make five, but this one could wrap up at three. You don't know. No, I don't. But I, I literally just typed in Fantastic Beast Cursed, and there's a Vanity Fair article, How Fantastic Beast Became Hollywood's Most Cursed Franchise. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't think I get my source from Vanity Fair? That's how <laughs> all... Every podcast starts by going through that. Okay. Like Actually, that. sorry, sorry. Sorry, the full title of this is Wizarding Woes, How Fantastic Beasts Became Hollywood's Most Cursed Franchise. Come on, please, people. So they're talking about Johnny Depp, obviously. Yeah, oh yeah. J.K. Rowling Mm -hmm. herself. Mm -hmm. Ezra Miller, arrested for disorderly conduct. Likes the violence. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're brushing this off like it's not a big deal. Well, we're going to solve it right now because we're going to play Who Will Marty Save? The Harry Potter (laughs) Edition. Oh, my God, I forgot we do this. No, I never do. I never do. I, I sometimes forget the guest, but I don't forget this. Who will <laughs> who will our wizard, Marty Robbins, save? Will it be Johnny Depp, who played in the Fantastic Beast movie? He played in the first two movies. I guess they kind of replaced him in the third movie with another mm-hmm. actor. He obviously had some – he's having some court proceedings right now that's been going on for years and years and years – with his ex, Amber Heard, they both have spent $20 million in legal fees each for this, um, you know, this, this horrible suit, uh, that they have against, I guess, each other. Johnny Depp is on the chopping block versus JK Rowling, who has said some horrible things, uh, to the trans community and, uh, done a bit of backpedaling and stuff. But would we have the Harry Potter world without her? My goodness, they just had a 20th anniversary episode or on HBO Max where they brought up back all the cast and all the people behind the scenes. JK wasn't invited. Interesting. Now, Marty has a choice. 
to save one of these people from a horrible death with the wave of his Beatrix wand. He can save one of these two. Who will it be, Marty? Are you going JK or Johnny D? Are you polishing off your wand or what are you doing there? (laughs) Normally, I don't give a shit and I just give an arbitrary answer. This one's interesting because basically what you're saying is I need to save a bad person. Yes, you are Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's, let's, let's. Um, This hurt. Don't you hate these? Yeah, you know I hate them, but I genuinely hate this one. Can we just also say, though, that. Even though Depp is not in the third movie, Mads Mikkelsen is, whom is one of my favourite actors. Great actor. And he was in one of the best video games I have ever played in my life called Death Stranding. Oh, my God. Just, just, oh. Yeah, I figured you loved something with the word death in the title. Go on. Yep, of course. So... He was also in Rogue One. Well, there you go. Okay. No, he's, he's just a, a fantastic actor. So, so really what we're saying is we need to save this person in order for them to contribute meaningful content to my life is really what it is. So, so this isn't wiping them out before their crimes. They will continue on. So it's not like you can go back in time and destroy them no, as, no, no, as no. babies. No, they have to live Yes. With their crimes. Yes. So basically what you're saying is of the two people, who can I live with still existing even though they've done bad things? Oh, and I can't kill them both? Ooh. I mean, I've done that before. Yes, yes, you did. Um, I would say, I would say I, I would be okay if I never saw another Johnny Depp film, even though I'm a massive fan of his work. Mm-hmm. Massive fan. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel that if J.K. Rowling dies, we will never see a Harry Potter pinball machine. So therefore, I think it's the other way around. I think she's the no. If she goes, there's there's, she can't. No one can make a decision. Someone will sure the estate. Are you kidding? Prince dies. The the family goes. Yeah, here's here's some table scraps. Here's a video of him when he's 11 years old. Here, Michael Jackson estate did the same thing. You know, here. Oh, we found this. Jimi Hendrix family, for God's sakes, the guy put out three studio albums. There's 55 albums of his. When the artist is gone, that's when you see all the stuff. So they'll sign yeah, away. Mm-hmm. I just think that, I just think that, that, you know, I think in the wrong hands, the Harry Potter world can go down a terrible place like Fantastic Beasts. So I, I am going to keep JK rolling in the hope that she ensures that the Harry Potter pinball machine, when it comes out, is fantastic. There you go. But you care more about that than her correcting her thoughts on the, on her transphobic ways and stuff. Don't you want her to, I know she's trying to, uh, I want a pinball machine. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it just comes down to that. It comes down. Okay. All kidding aside, don't you find it difficult? I know I do when I really, really, really love the art, but can't stand the artist. Ted Newton. Um, I don't like some of the things Ted Nugent says. I do like his music, but uh, do I do I say I stand more with or with against him? I would say I stand more against him for sure. But um, 
I mean, I, I like classic rock, but I'm talking about people that commit like legitimate crimes. Do you remember? I mean, Hey, in the pinball world, when a certain no, design, no, 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 I'm not trying to be funny. Thing. No, there's no jokes here. When no, a, I know. I just, it's just such a terrible thing to talk about. No, I'm, I'm asking a serious question. Can you yeah. separate the art from the artist? Yes, I can too. And you sometimes getting shit for it, right? Because yeah, you know, I don't shit on Ghostbusters because it is a John Trudeau game and because John Trudeau did terrible things and was sent away for doing so. I just don't like the game, period. Sure. Everything yeah. about it has nothing yep. to do with the artist. But yep. uh, conversely, Congo, I think, is a John Trudeau game. I love that game. Yep. Doesn't mean I approve of anything that he did that uh, put him behind bars. So, Look, we, we, I think we've said this before. He... <laughs> He didn't make any of those games on his, his own. own. Yeah. Yeah. So so when you boycott these games, you're boycotting everybody else's work as well. And I think that's unfair. Okay. And I think that's the same thing. Same thing. So like like Johnny Depp does something bad, the the franchise of these movies suffers as a result. Like it gets a bit of a bad name. And there's thousands, tens of thousands of people involved in these movies that all get now part of this curse. Woody Allen is somebody that uh, has not had a uh, good track record with uh, some of the decisions he's made. He's made a lot of films. He's written and directed the films. But I guess what you're saying is I can't wipe out all those movies based on that alone because, you know, there were actors, there was all the production crew and everything else. It's not just a one-person thing. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fine line. And, you know, if we're being honest – it's easier just to not comment on it. And a lot of people will just kind of shy away when something bad happens. No one is justifying anybody's crime at all. They're heinous crimes uh, that, that are out there. I try to separate the two. It's not always easy. Like, I really like Michael Jackson music. Mm -hmm. I yeah. have questions about what kind of human being that person was. And if he is the things people say he is, it's unforgivable. It absolutely is, but you can't then just hear that news and then go back and say, oh, well, Billie Jean was a terrible song because of it. Yeah, it's it's so gosh dang tough. It's so it's, tough. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's so tough. But yep. anyway. Anyway. Uh, where can we go from this? There is one thing I also want to talk about that, that I saw in the last couple of weeks, and that was to do with the Deep Root auction that happened. Um. Hold on, let me just check Pinside, uh, page 792. Go ahead. <laughs> it just, the auction itself was just fascinating because of what was there to be purchased. Two things I want to talk about was, first of all, someone buying a play field and then turning up to pick it up and it's not there. That is shit. Was that Jess? Jessica Donato. Oh, Jess Donato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know the update whether it's been found, but I doubt it has. I think someone's just put that on the back of the truck, which is just shit. But the other thing I want to talk about was the fact that there was, I couldn't even call it a white wood. It's a bit of, bit of cardboard and a decal of what Yukon Yeti would have looked like, which is the sequel to Whitewater. Did you see it? I did see it. Not only did I see it, after my trip, or actually before my trip to Wisconsin, I stopped into American Pinball and talked to Dennis Norman about it. What did he have to say? Yeah, he really liked the design. It was too bad it never got made. He, he, loved, yeah. he, he loved it. Yeah, it looks good. I, I wouldn't say it has got as much in it as the original does, but I think it's just now 
it just looks like a, a tighter game. It's got the upper flipper that looks like it's got a, a loop. It's got the Insanity 4s on the left. It's got the upper playfield that is almost like a mirrored version of the old one. Uh, and for such a game that we loved, for them to – this is almost like a remake really or a mirrored <laughs> remake. It looked great. Uh, it would be great if they could make it. I remember when it was announced Steve Ritchie was going to do an unlicensed game and how excited he was. Um, and we were thinking, is it high speed or is it Black Knight? And it wound up being Black Knight Sword of Rage. A game, by the way, I like. And I like it because it's brutal and it's really, really hard. I'm not a big fan of the premium and the LE just because there's not a lot to do up top. But um, And there's there's some exploits there. I know they've tried to fix it, but still the pro is the real tough game. I, I feel the same way about Whitewater. I feel the same way about who knows what Barry O would have done. And maybe we'll see that with uh, the game that American Pinball produces. Uh, they, they're going to do a Barry O one. So is that going to be a, uh, a sequel to something he did or something totally different? Who knows? Um, but that Deep Root auction had a bunch of, like you say, Whitewoods or Playfield designs and um, it's no secret they had a lot of things in the works. The one thing they didn't have in the works was how to get these games done. And again, separating the art from the artist, it's easy to paint deeper with this horrible brush. But really, it was kind of one person who screwed the lives up of many people. Barry, Stephen, Dennis Wally was there, John Norris. Um, Quinn Johnson was one of the great uh art guys there and creative people. And there was just, there's a big staff there. And trust me, I know this because I get every two weeks, I get this big bulk letter from this law office in San Antonio talking about how the, the uh, court case is going on. I don't know why I've asked to be not included. I don't want any compensation or anything for any part of anything I've ever did or, or deposited or all that kind of stuff. Uh, because real people, lost a lot more, like employees, like the people that invested the money. I was just a, there's no other word to put it, I was a sucker for taking a risk thinking this game would be done. But I wasn't alone, and I thought it wasn't that big of a risk. So, eh, whatever. But I don't think I should get any part of any kind of class action for that when people invested a lot of money and time. Me, I I took a gamble. To me, it was like uh, buying a lottery ticket. That's what it was. So, to go back to what you're saying, seeing those designs and the auction, there, there could have been some good things there if uh, the money was managed a little bit better. Yeah. Wasn't to me. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out because I thought it looked cool and it would be good to see that in some day. Like just because, you know, I look back and I think of food truck. When I think of deep root, I think of food truck. I forget everything else. I just think food truck. So to be able to see something like Yukon Yeti in that very basic form, so okay, maybe they had some cool stuff. Yeah, I would guess there were probably 10 games in some sort of production mode, uh, <laughs> just not a, on an assembly line by any means, but uh, no. certainly CAD and maybe some White Woods and yeah, not meant to be. But that was the thing that kind of bugged me about the auction was it went to an auction to hopefully get some of this money back for the people that lost the money. But I was kind of holding out and hoping that maybe somebody would buy the assets. We saw that happen with highway, right? Didn't happen. So what happens to all that intellectual property? I, I know with Raza, those rules are already published long in advance. 
I don't think any of the other rules were. They never appeared on Fun With Bonus. So hopefully maybe those can be used in some other capacity. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, again, I don't know about that kind of sort of copyright and IP law, but, you know, the, effectively most employment agreements will say any idea that's created for the purposes of the business stays as an asset of the business. So it, it's not like somebody can go, well, hey, you didn't make my game, therefore I'm going to make it. It still is their property. So now, it, again, it depends on what people are going to do with the IP of that company or whether they're not going to bother. It's, it's just whoever, whoever is handling the assets now will make that call. And if they feel that there is value in those games and those assets of those games, they will sell them for money. It won't just go when somebody else can do it. Who will buy the assets if the company goes bankrupt? Don't know. But they, again, they may, may not bother. And if they don't bother, then nobody gets access to it. Or they might bother and they might charge for it. The, the yeah. drama just continues, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. Okay, so this is our last show for April. May is kind of a big month because May, at the end of the month, is the World Championships. That's happening in Fort Myers, Florida. So we're going to probably gear a couple of our shows towards that with some uh, exciting guests. We do want to thank Orby, Albert Agar, for coming on. And uh, please check out the Pinball Nerds podcast. If you want to find out more about this podcast, where can they go? You can email us at finalroundpinball at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at finalroundpin. Instagram is finalroundpinballpodcast. And just look up finalroundpinball on Facebook. Sounds pretty good. Sounds like we've done our part. Now it's up to you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, appreciate the emails and the, the notes. And uh, I guess we'll do another one of these. Hey, Marty? I think we'll have to. And we'll look forward to it. But uh, yeah, but do reach out to us, guys. We do respond to every message. So you're welcome. In another fortnight, my name is Jeff Teolos. My name's Martin Robbins. Thanks, everybody. We'll speak again soon.